Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, today we have legendary high school football coach Rob Page, <laughs> uh, the head football coach at Big Walnut. Uh, coach, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. I, I thank you for the eye roll as I called you legendary. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely not the case. But I, 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 I appreciate the compliment. No, no problem, Coach. Um, so before we get in, we're going to talk game plan today and some philosophy stuff that Coach has and um, Coach is considered one of the brighter offensive minds in, in, in our state. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, do you want to kind of talk about how you end up as the head football coach at Big Walnut? Sure. Well, I kind of have a, a roundabout gypsy story. I grew up in Indianapolis and I went to Ben Davis High School, which if um, anybody knows Indiana football, that's a that's a pretty big powerhouse type place. And I was able to play for a legitimately legendary head coach, um, Dick Dullahan. And um, from there, I attended Wittenberg University, got to play under Joe Fincham, who, you know, when his career, whenever he decides to be done, he'll, he'll go to the Hall of Fame there. So um, and then after that, I coached college football at at my alma mater, Wittenberg, and then Mercyhurst University as an offensive GA and then as a uh, defensive GA at uh, Eastern Michigan before the staff was let go. And then from there, um, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, we both found jobs in Cincinnati. And um, I was I coached in the Cincinnati area. Um, my, my last assistant stop was at Centerville before I became a head coach. And I was a head coach over in um, Milan, Indiana, which is just right over the Ohio border, which is the it was the Hoosiers High School. If anyone's ever seen that movie, um, which was it was a great place to coach. And then um, I decided to come back to Ohio, and uh, I was the head coach at Reading, and um, we we had a we had a you know fairly decent last season there. Went to the playoffs, made a little bit of a playoff run, and then. Um, and then I decided to take the offensive coordinator job at Turpin High School, which is a, a south uh, southeast side high school. And then from there, on a whim, I applied at Big Walnut in Columbus, Ohio. And that's where I've been since um, basically right before the pandemic. So my first year as a head coach at Big Walnut was uh, right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. And, um, and, and so that's kind of a little bit of my gypsy story. And my wife's from the area. Um, she just recently got a, a teaching job up here. She's been teaching remotely for, um, for Mason City Schools, and we've been living with her parents. And I'm currently speaking to you from their basement. <laughs> um, but since uh, since she got a teaching job up here, we bought a house. We're moving. We're, we're putting in roots. And she says we're not allowed to leave Central Ohio. So that's that. <laughs> Well, it's not a bad place to live, Coach. I, I, I live there for a good point in time. I do have one other question before we get into game planning. You, you just made me realize it. Sure. What is it about Wittenberg and Joe Fincham that produces high-quality coaches? And the reason I ask that because I got, what, two coaches on on the present staff I work for that played for Coach Fincham. I know a bunch in the area, Coach Merker at, Tro- at Troy, you. What is, it, what is it about that place that produces such quality just people and coaches? Well, um, one, I think the consistency in the coaching staff at Wittenberg, you know, Coach Fincham's been there since the mid-90s, and and he doesn't go through a lot of coaches. You know, now guys do leave, but they do stay there for quite some time. So you get to build relationships, and and, and you're having stability in a program. And then you couple that with success. And I just think that, you know, Coach Fincham is one of the most um, genuine, honest guys in college football i know he's had multiple opportunities to leave to go to bigger better greener pasture positions and he's decided to make wittenberg his home and you know i think it being a small school and kind of having a real family atmosphere not only with the program but with the school itself um i think it makes guys pretty loyal um and then you know lastly coach fincham's a heck of a coach um in terms of offensive line play, um, I know he's considered to be one of the best, and, and that's at any level. So, you know, you're getting quality coaching, you're having success, you have a family atmosphere, and I think just that in general makes people want to be coaches. 
Now, you know, for me, at least, you know, it goes all the way back to my high school coach, even my middle school coaches. I mean, I, I can't remember a bad coach that I've had. Um, and, and I, you know, I've been able to be a part of pretty successful teams. So when you put all that stuff together, you know, it makes guys want to be coaches and kind of give back and, and do for others what people have done for them. And, and I really think that that's, that's kind of Coach Fincham's magic. And I think great coaches in general, you know, you look at how Miami has produced a lot of coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at different areas of the country and it's kind of a hotbed. And I, I think it comes down to those type of things. And I don't think there's anything I'd ever rather do than, than, than be a football coach and, and kind of do for guys what Coach Fincham and Coach Dullahan and, and a lot of the other great guys I've been around have done for me. Well, that, that, I think that's a perfect answer, Coach. Like I said, I've heard nothing but great things about him, and um, I've met him, I think, once. So I mean, I'll probably see him a little bit more now since his kids go to Kent Ridge. Um, so, there you go. <laughs> kind of make my, my access easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of looking at, like I said, we, we, you, you shared a bunch of stuff with me beforehand, and, and uh, one, one of the things I admire about you, because we started talking, oh, God, back in the – what was it like March, April last year? I don't remember when we started out. I think probably April. And what, one of the things I've always admired is how detailed you are with stuff. Um, and kind of looking at what you sent me, um, your week in review and how detailed it is on how, how you prep for the week. Um, like, it is, has to, training on film on Tuesdays always been regular for you? I've, do, I've done it on Wednesdays and Thursdays, but not regularly on Tuesdays. Yeah. So, so what we do is, um, to try to get a jump on it, you know, cause some staffs are a little bit quicker with the exchange on Wednesdays than others. And if you, you know, and if you trade it on Wednesday, a lot, a lot of times you won't get it till Thursday. So we'll, we'll send out that exchange on Tuesday evening so that hopefully when the coach gets to his computer in the morning, he's ready to make that exchange. Um, and I think, I, I think as things go on the days of just trading the two tapes or the two, previous games at least in our conference it's going to go by the wayside because we're just going to trade every um which is kind of a conference rule which which at the end of the day is really what you should do because um you know there's no secrets and uh, at least for me I, I look at the more film we have the better um the better prep we can have and we're going to put the time in and do it right and i see that as a major advantage so um, you know, that's why, that's why we kind of went to that Tuesday thing. And, um, you know, I think it's important for us to make, you know, we make that checklist where, you know, every week it's on my desk and I'm going through it and my assistants have roles and things like that. And, um, I think that's a really important component to get that film. So you can get those games broken down before you walk in on Saturday and you're not sitting there looking at each other in a room breaking film down. You got the film broken down. You're sitting there together looking at cutups, you know, and doing the game plan component. Because with the with the added, you know, with huddle and all this stuff, you don't need to sit in the same room and break film down anymore. I think that's a complete waste of time. Um, you need to sit together and kind of get that synergy, so to speak, in terms of game planning and getting ideas and bouncing ideas off each other, e even if the idea sucks. Um, you know, that, that whole group think mentality, I, I, I think is really good. And, you know, when I was at Turpin, we worked really, really good together and, and we had a great, um, we had a great game planning method. And that's kind of where I, I, I kind of honed it down to this, you know, real efficient method that we have. So, um, you know, I, I do got to thank those, uh, you know, those assistants we had down there and then coach McCullough, the head coach for giving us that freedom to do it, um, the way we did. Um, now I, I see here you got you got everybody's got a specific assignment. How much do you mm -hmm. use huddle assist though with that prep so to kind of ease that on the coaches or how, how do you work that especially not being at a larger school? Mm -hmm. Well, I got to be honest. I think huddle assist is lazy. So um, <laughs> we use it never. Okay. Um, enter the data. You know, I, I can I can break a whole game down in forty five minutes. Um, you know, and that's entering in every single column, you know, it's, it's, it's not that difficult. I think there's a better way to spend your money, um, buy better video cameras, get a third angle, um, you know, pay a, 
you know, we're going to pay high school kids to film our practices and games. And, I, and I'm going to assign one to be the director of video operations and um, get him some gear and all that. And, and like, that's what I want to spend my money on. I'm not going to yeah. spend my money on, you know, some, some huddle guy over in Omaha entering in down and distance or hash when one of the guys on our staff can do that. And, yeah. you know, and, and we're going to have 11 guys on staff this year. So uh, I don't see that to be an issue. And even if you have a smaller staff, you can still get data entered. Um, you know, maybe you're not putting in backfield and run strength and um, formation strength and run direction. Maybe you're not putting in some of those auxiliary categories, but you can put down and distance, yarded, yard line, run pass, gain, um, formation, play, motion, and you can get a really, really solid breakdown with the the down and distance information and the formation and play. That's really kind of the meat and the potatoes of what you need. Um and when I was on a Division Five staff, you know, at Reading, we we kind of did it the same way. Now I I did a little bit more of it, but you know, um, going back to my GA days, I'm I'm pretty quick with the breakdown. So I uh, going back to your original question, huddle assist? No, I'll be honest, I think it's lazy. Now there'll probably be a lot of coaches on there that says work smarter, not harder. I don't know. I, I want to work smart and hard, and by entering in that data, it kind of gives me another opportunity to watch the game. So then when I do go to watch the cutups and, and game plan, um, I've watched it two or three times already, which is really kind of the approach you need, in my opinion, or yeah. at least that's what I need. Now, you, you mentioned at having a full staff this year compared to last year. Is that going to change any of that assignment-wise for you or expand, okay, we now can do these categories or look for this? Is that going to factor in at all? Well, I mean, I've interviewed them, and I, I think they're pretty smart, hardworking guys, but – you know, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I gotta, I gotta see what you can do before I start assigning you too much. Because if I, if I overload someone and you know it's too much work, or it's just something that they're they're not comfortable with, then I end up having to, you know, get ticked off and all that. <laughs> and I would just rather give someone a small plate yeah. and then you know let them let them take care of that, and then as we go, add to it. Um, you know, so, so, so that, that'll kind of be my approach, you know, and, you know, and kind of the way I have it broken down. So I'm the offensive coordinator. For me, the biggest thing is, you know, I want to put information in place so I know what's right. And kind of one of the, I think one of the things where coaches make big mistakes on in terms of um, entering in formations, you know, say it's, say a, a school calls a two by two, 10 personnel formation um, doubles. They'll put doubles, double double left and put left and then they'll put double l and then they'll put you know and so then instead of having just when you want to pull up the doubles formation they'll have four or five different ways they do it yeah and then you got to refilter and it's not giving you the proper stats that you need so um one of the things i i talk about a little bit later is that is it needs to be called the same thing every freaking time you know, not double or doubles, whatever you, whatever you call it, that's what it needs to be called specifically. Have another column for formation direction. Leave the formation column as vanilla as possible. Anytime you want to add more detail to a formation or a play or something like that, create a new column and then tag. So then you can, you know, filter out all the inside zones where they read it and they kick it and they bluff it and they, and they RPO it. And then you can put in all that extra data in another column and look at it from there. But at the end of the day, as a defensive coordinator, all you're wanting to see is how many times they ran inside zone and where's the running back hitting it. Well, they're trying to you know run it to the three techniques so they can bend it in the backside B or something like that. Um, that's got to be the, you know, I, I think that's a real critical piece to entering data is the detail in which you do it, which getting back to your question is kind of why I'm leery of giving people a bunch of stuff because <laughs> Then if they screw it up, it's more time for me to fix it than just yeah. to do it right. I, I get it. I, I've been there when I was in D.C. You had to fix labeling and fix all this other stuff. Yep. You, you got to figure out who can do what. Um, but you mentioned Saturday there, so everything's pretty much pre-put in Saturday. So what does your Saturday look like then? Mm -hmm. Okay, since I don't – like most of our – I said probably maybe the most recent night maybe not be fully done or it might just got done sure. that this morning. What 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 is your what does your Saturday look like for you and the kids? Okay, 
So um, we're going to break down a minimum of two games before Saturday, maybe three, usually not more than three, because then you start getting into too much data and, and, and it may not give you exactly what you want. So we're going to have minimum of two games done going into Saturday morning. So, you know, for us, say we play, um, you know, Delaware Hayes on Friday night, and then the following week we're going to play um, Westerville South. We'll have two South games already done, broken down on Saturday morning when we walk in. So then what we do as a staff at 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., ish we're gonna we're gonna watch uh friday night's game now you know our defense is gonna stat it you know and we're gonna mark down missed assignments or loaves or things like that but at the end of the day we're gonna pull probably 20 to on the high side 40 plays of the game that we think are like synonymous with the game let's say we run wide zone six times and um the the backside guard doesn't get the one technique cut off four times we don't need to show it to him four times. We just need to show it that once. You know, I don't think kids need to sit in film for two and a half hours. So we're going to break it down from, or we're going to watch it and then create a cut up list between seven and 8 AM at 8 AM. The players are going to get in and they're going to lift from eight to nine um, in the morning. And then from nine to 10, uh, they're going to watch film with us. And then after that, the players are gone. Um, I'm going to probably go out and watch the JV and freshman games at that time. And then everyone else, what they're going to do is they're going to break down that third game. Um, and then once the third game is broke down, by the time I come back in, we'll watch our cutups. And that's when we'll kind of start creating a cutup thing. Um, and we'll watch it from there. Um, and after that, then that's when we start building our, um, our call sheet on offense. So I have a template for all plays that we run. And then I, I, I have the various ways I want to run them. So like, let's use power. For example, I want to run um, power out of 12 personnel, um, strong, weak, and with emotion. And then I want to run it out of 11 personnel, um, you know, with a, with an RPO, with a, uh, with a jet misdirection, and um, out of empty in a quarterback run. So let's say there's seven ways I want to run it. So then we'll go and we'll look at our big formation board that we draw. So we put all of our formations on a big whiteboard and uh, how they're going to align to it. Our offensive line coach is responsible for putting in base alignment. So we'll watch those that we'll filter it formation, um, uh, alignment by formation, and then we'll watch all right, pull up pro. We watch all pro pull up twins, all twins. And then we'll, we'll diagram that. Then when we go back to where I said, we have that um, call sheet template. All right. What's our favorite way to run it strong? Well, when we're in pro, they're going to roll the safety. They're going to roll the safety down and they're going to give you an eight man box and five strong. So you want to line up an unbalanced to move that safety out of there, or you want to, uh, you know, you want to trade to get away from him. And that's where you go into the whole game planning thing. What's the best look to run the ball to? Maybe it's twins because then they rotate the safeties to the pass strength and you can run it at a corner. And now the corner is kind of the unblocked hitter um, as opposed to a safety in the box. And we know corners necessarily aren't that comfortable fitting, fitting the run and being the eighth guy in the box there. So that's kind of how we game plan. And we go through and we do it for all of our, all of our base runs, outside zone, power, counter, pin and pull, ISO, which is really kind of what we majored in last year. And we do the same thing for pass plays. However many different ways I want to run all of our concepts. Um, and then when we get the base uh, call sheet done, that's when we go through and um, start working on the scouting report. Because you can't work on the scouting report until you get the game plan done. Because what are you putting in the scouting report, you know? You can't do the scouting report and then do the game plan. It doesn't work that way. So um, game plan first. And, and, and that's really what we do. We watch, I'm going through here. Here's the cutups we watch. We'll watch formation by play. We'll watch. Um, and then later on when I'm putting together the down and distance component of the call sheet, that's when we'll put, um, I'll watch down and distance, um, down and distance by formation down and distance by formation coverage, down and distance by formation blitz. So I can get a, so I can start building our, uh, you know, our blitz speeder packages and stuff like that. 
Um, but I don't think you need to watch the down and distance stuff until after, after the weekend, the, the weekend is basically spent putting together the base base plays. And I, and I know we're on audio here, but if there's ever a point in this where you'd like for me to pull up our, uh, that, that kind of template that I put together, I think that's really one of the things that's helped us streamline our, our game planning process is, um, is the template because we know, all right, we want to run, you know, wide zone out of 11 personnel strong weak with an RPO with a motion. And then boom, that's how we build it in. What's the very best way we want to do it. And that's how we game plan it. And that's where everybody can bring those ideas in. It's not like people are bringing in ideas off the wall where, you know, we're wanting to do it, um, you know, some way we didn't necessarily like say like last year, line up an empty and, and bring the back into the backfield and jump him to the other side and then run it. Like we don't do that. That's not part of our system. So within our system, what's the best way to run it strong? And that idea can be from anybody because they'll, because you got to say, well, we need to run it this way to this formation. And it's on the board. It's on the big board. And like, we look at it. Okay. Well, we're not running done block hitters. Um, you know, we have, we have numbers, we have leverage, we have matchups, you know, those are all things that we look at and you should look at when you go to game plan, you're not necessarily going to get a, a premium look for every run play, but you never want to run the football into bad looks. And I don't think if you, if you don't break down film, if you don't create that big board, um, you're going to run to bad looks because you're going to miss something and you're going to have a play on the call sheet that makes you run to an unblocked hitter uh, or doesn't give you an answer to something. And then all week you planned it and it's like, well, man, you know, why'd you spend all that time on the weekend? You know, you're, 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 you're better served lining up and doing the same thing and every week and spending time with your family, you know, don't spend all that time to run into unblocked hitters. What about formations that you don't have on film? Like looks like you may you might have that they haven't seen, whether it's because yeah. the other offense had run it or because they played because you're not you're a more spread is a very loose term nowadays. You can call sure. it but say they've been saw two wing T teams the first two weeks, it's week three and you have no film against gun personnel. How how do you sure. adjust for, adapt for that? Well, I think you also have to as a coordinator get the essence of their defense. Okay. Um, you know, let, let's use, for example, a very vanilla defense, a four, four. Well, you know, a four, four team is probably going to be based out of cover one or cover three. They're going to be a one high out. Okay. So, you know, when, even though you haven't seen it, you got to think, all right, when we line up in two by two, we're going to get 10 personnel, two by two, we're going to get a six man box. Because that's the base way of four four aligns. So you kind of have to get the essence of what the defense is. You know, if they're an odd front, typically odd front teams are going to be two high to two by two and roll to cover three to three by one. And when I say odd, I'm talking three, four, not stack. Stack tends to have that same tendency of a four four. You know, they want to kind of leave those hang players on each yeah. side and be balanced up. So then now, like that also brings you to some base game plan theories, which we can talk about a little bit later. But if a team is a 4-4 or a 3-3 stack that wants to play those overhangs on both sides, well, then I, I don't think you line up in balanced formations. I think you line up in three by one. I think you line up in four by none. I think you line up in tight end wing twins. Like you line up in all these formations to give you an extra hat strong and make that weak side overhang player um, useless or force them to roll coverage or bump. And then now you're changing run fits. So going, you know, if you're not seeing stuff on film, that's one way is what's the essence of their defense. Number two, I think you kind of got to get a scouting report on the defensive coordinator. You know, where's he been? What does he like to do? You know, those type of things. Um, after that, I think, you know, maybe a wing T team, you haven't seen a spread formation. But a lot of times, wing T teams will give you twins on one side and tight end wing on the other. Well, how are they lining up to that twin surface? And then by seeing how they line up to the twin surface, you can kind of prognosticate, all right, well, if they had double twins there, or two by two, 10 personnel, they're probably going to be lining up similar to both sides. You know, how do they adjust the motion? 
Are they going to roll the safety or are they going to try to bump it? You know, they have to do one or the other. And if you're really, really that unsure, well, then you practice both looks. Okay. And, and by doing that, it kind of gives you a little bit of, it kind of gives you a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, you can make a really good educated guess, you know, and I, I've rarely, rarely had defenses. All right. They line up this on week two and three, and then week four, they come and line up completely different, you know, and if they do, they're searching. And even though you haven't practiced it, you just, you know, you tell your guys, look, let's, you know, at the end of the day, you got to win the physical fight. So, um, you know, they're searching for answers and you're just going to be sounding what you do. Um, and I think all summer, instead of practicing against one look, that's where you, you know, you practice against multiple looks. And I know this really isn't the, the, the purpose of the talk tonight, but how we ID fronts and how we block people, like we're not blocking, a four, we don't teach, this is how you block a four two. We teach, you identify the first play side inside backer, you identify the email, and then you work your rules off of that. I'm a, I'm a big believer in like the rules, you, you know, you mentioned the podcast is called gap down backer. Um, well, you know, obviously those are gap blocking rules. Who cares what front you have, you know, identify the plus, you know, in, in power, you're going to, you're going to pull for the first play side inside backer and you're going to kick the email and you're going to try to have some sort of double team on the front side. So however they align, kick the plus backer or wrap for the plus backer, kick the email and double someone on the front side. And by doing that, it, it gives you answers and, and it allows you to adjust in the game. And then I also think, in-game sideline replay is a big deal. Um, we have a really, really nice system. Um, and we don't make halftime adjustments anymore. We make um, series by series adjustments because we have that video and it is huge because we get a sideline and an end zone intercut right after every play. So, um, so, so that would be the answer to teams that, you know, if you're a, you know, if you're a air raid team and you haven't seen an air raid team, on film, you don't know how the defense is going to line. Well, you got to understand what's the essence of the defense. My, my, my last question for Saturday before we move on to your Sunday, um, you, you mentioned on here, uh, looking back to self-scouting, we really didn't hit too much on it. And how, how mm -hmm. in-depth do you get to that season? Um, and how detailed do you get? And do you, how involved are you in that compared to I, – I know you have it listed here <sighs> – OCDC, but how much do you allow your assistants to get involved in that? What does that process look like? Self-scout, I think the self-scout really is more for the play caller. Okay. Going back and looking, all right, what play, what for, what plays have I run out of these formations? You know, we're, we're a gun team, so we want to make sure that if the back is on the left side, we're not always running right. Um, you know, we also play with a sniffer. I also want to make sure that if the sniffer's on, on the right side, we're not always running to the right side. And I think in your system, if you know your system well enough, you can set it up so that some of these tendencies are pretty difficult to, um, pretty difficult to spot. And you can do it with motion. So like, for example, you know, when we, when, when we scheme up our shots, we're never going to run the same shot out of the same formation in back-to-back -back weeks. Like that's something that we don't do. So going back to your self scout, well, you know what you did the week before, you know, you just run it at a different formation or you motion to the formation you want, or you ship, you just window dress it in a different way so that it doesn't look the same pre-snap to the defense. I think that's, I think that's important, but um, in terms of, you know, what's more important self scout and breaking tendency or being good at what you do and being good at what you do. Like, I mean, if you're a, if you're a pro I team and you're going to run ISO strong, well then it doesn't matter who you're going against. Like you're going to run ISO strong, screw your tendency, you know, <laughs> like now that being said, you might be able to window dress it in a different way. And that's kind of why I, I've kind of done, you know, we, our system is kind of what it is, but um, I don't know. I would say that's probably an area that we can grow in, you know, is, is, is that self scout component because it's inter it's always interesting to see what the other team is trying to scheme and stop and things like that. And historically it's been, you know, if the back is one side, they're going to load up the opposite because, you know, back is left, you run right. But the biggest thing, you know, the biggest thing I've seen teams try to load up on is a sniffer. Wherever the sniffer aligns, call the strength to that. 
you know, they have line, you know, the big deal, you know, in, in college is the linebacker is even key in the sniffer, treating him as a second back and cross keying him so that you get the fit a little bit quicker. Um, and that's a, and, and that's an important thing to make sure you're breaking tendency on. Okay. Now uh, let's move to your Sunday here. Is it kind of your day for game plan specifics, uh, your scouting report? Yep. And then, and then you have a note here, and I think this is where a trend a lot of coaches go to is more Google meeting than actual. Oh, let's let's show yep. up for that six hour meeting on a Sunday. Um, the, the, yeah. the old days. Yeah, I mean, you know, even when I was at Turpin, and we had it, and and we had three offensive assistants that legitimately contributed to the game plan. I'm talking the call sheet that we build. Okay, but once that call sheet is built, at least your base your base run game, base pass game, not your down and distance stuff. Once that's built, you really don't need to sit in the same room and the offensive line, the offensive line coach is going to draw up his, you know, they're going to draw up the base runs to, uh, you know, formation. So they're going to draw wide zone strong, wide zone reek versus a, a three, four, you know, they're going to draw up power. They're going to drop and And we do everything digital on a program called playmaker pro, which is a really inexpensive, draw online drawing tool um and then they take that and they cop and then you copy and paste it to a powerpoint and then they just send me their powerpoint slides and i take powerpoint slides and put it together on a main powerpoint and then we take that and upload it to uh huddle so we don't give paper scouting reports we we do them on there and then what i do is then i each assistant has to um give me the video clips that they want to show in the game plan and then we attach the the, the video clips so our our uh, scouting report is video based and um and you know digital play drawing based and again i know we're audio but if that's something you want me to show you i don't have a problem doing that so no i do not think we need to sit together in the same room and do our scouting report uh policies um i create a google uh i create a google doc and that's where everybody types in their player personnel stuff so then I just, again, take that and copy and paste it to a document. The stuff that I do on Sunday by myself is um, the blitz plan. Like, do we need to have a specific blitz plan? Like, every time a team lines up an empty, are they bringing six? Well, you got to have a specific plan for that. Um, you know, what, what type of motion or shift do I want to run? You know, do they have a really good defensive end that lines up to the tight end? Well put him into the boundary and then shift away and then run to the field to your tight end wing. You know, that's a, that's a pretty easy, that's a pretty easy thing to do. What shots do I want to um, call? And to me, a shot is a specific play called where you're trying to drive the ball downfield. That's not, to me, that's not four verticals, you know, four verticals teams that throw four verts, like that's just part of their package. Like I, I'm talking about home run, throw a post, throw a wheel, Throw a double move, you know, something where you're you're trying to go for six. You know, I think you need to scheme those up. What gadget are you going to run that week? And I'll kind of talk – we can talk a little bit later about my gadget philosophies. Um, and then any special front adjustments. Like, you know, we're going to – out of 11 personnel, we're going to arc the four technique and kick him out on gap schemes as opposed to the tackle trying to base block him um you know versus an even front where does the where does the time where does the end align is he in a nine technique is he head up is he inside that's going to dictate a lot of our game planning you know if he's going to line up inside we can get into you know a tight end nub and run pin and pull and make a corner be a force defender um so those are the things that i do kind of by myself um our defensive coordinator some of the key things that you know he thinks about like all right D and I've talked a ton of offense, but you know, it's stopping players. You know, it's it's getting lined up to formations and stopping players um, is really the big deal. And then a few other things, you know, all right, what are the motion adjustments? What are your empty checks? And then, uh, you know, what fronts do you like? We're an even front, so say it's a ten personnel uh, inside zone team. Well, lining up in a pair of two eyes is going to force them to go you know, it's going to make it really difficult for them to get to the backside backer. Yeah. And if you're scraping, you know, and if you're running a scrape exchange concept then they have to have an answer for scrape exchange, you know, those type of things. Um, 
but all the coaches give me their stuff by, uh, I think, you know, anywhere between noon and two. So then I put then between two and four, I put together the PowerPoint and then I upload it and all the kids have it. And then they're expected to have seen it um, on Monday. And then we have starters talk about some of the key stuff in the middle of our scouting report stuff on Monday. Um, but that's, you know, that the Sunday stuff is, you know, you do it on your own and then we'll have a Google meet to kind of review the game plan. You know, it'll be a 20 minute offensive talk, 20 minute defensive talk. And then, a, Hey, this is what we need to specifically do this weekend practice. Like they got a quarterback who, you know, he's a really athletic kid. So we need to make sure that we have a, you know, a scout team, you know, this kid maybe is not a quarterback, but he's going to be the scout team quarterback, stuff like that. Um, that's what we talk about on, you know, on the Google meet Sunday evening, typically around seven 30, you know, and, and we're usually off before eight 30. So, um, but that's typically what we do on Sunday. And, you know, it gives me a chance to be at home. And I think it gives all of our guys a chance to be at home or if they, you know, if they attend church, they don't feel like they got to come to the meeting, go to church and then come back. And it just, I, I, I think it creates a headache for guys. Um, and I kind of need a day to kind of sit by myself and think too, um, which benefits me. So that's, that's kind of our Sunday. I, you know, I don't think it's anything revolutionary. And I think a lot of people probably do something like it, but I do think the fact that we're putting PowerPoints on the huddle and our, and our scouting reports done that way. Um, I think that's pretty good stuff. Um, so that, so that would be something I'd recommend everybody doing. And it has to be PowerPoint. Um, you can't upload Google slides to, to huddle yet. Hopefully soon. So I, yeah. one other thing I want to hit on that before we move to the actual week, and, and I, I see it here for both offense and defense, your three keys to victory. How deta- What does that kind of look like? Because keys mm-hmm. can be a subjective term unless you know the specifics. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we played Kilbourne, um, they had a receiver that probably had like six or seven touchdowns in like the first, I don't know, four games or so. I mean, he was lighting it up. So one of our keys to victory was, um, no gimmies and deep shots to number two. Okay. So he doesn't get to catch hitch and he doesn't get to catch any long balls. So what does that mean? Well, we're going, we're, we were going to double him a, a huge portion of the game. You know, we were going to have a corner press him and then, then a safety be over the top. So we lost the guy in the run fit, but at the end of the day, we were not going to let number two do those two things because that's how he scored the majority of his, his touchdowns was on an easy itch, make a guy miss and score a touchdown or run by a guy and catch a fade. Yeah. So we just, we were going to refuse to let him do that. Um, you know, another one, uh, you know, on offense, it might be, uh, it might be complete, complete two shots. You know, that's a key to victory because we felt like, you know, we needed a quick strike. Another one, another one could be, um, you know, win the line of scrimmage. So they, they could be very specific or they could be, you know, more of a theoretical standpoint, um, to the game, you know, uh, defensively force, you know, force two turnovers, you know, so we have going into every game, we have three offensive and defensive goals. I kind of like the rule of three. So our offensive goals are zero 30 and 300, zero turnovers, 30 points, 300 yards. And I like to keep them simple because every person on the team knows them. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I want to, I want to average five or 4.7 yards a rush or something. Well, what kid's going to remember that? But they are going to remember no turnovers, 30 points, 300 yards. Defensively, it's um, it's it's two, 20, 250. Create two turns, hold them under 20 points, hold them under 250 yards. So, you know, those are, those are our three offensive and defensive goals. But the keys to victory, we usually keep them, you know, pretty, pretty simple so that our kids can remember them because I make them say them after every single practice, offensive keys to victory, you know, win the line of scrimmage, two big plays and play mistake free football, defensive goals, you know, no gimmies and, you know, no gimmies and deep shots to number two. Um, 
you know, another one could, you know, force two turnovers, you know, turn them over and number three hit heavy. Yeah. You know, bring 11 guys to the party, you know, that type of thing. And so our guys have to memorize them. Um, and they have to say them after every practice. And if, if I call on a kid and he doesn't know one, then everybody does two pushups right, right there. Coaches included. Okay. No, that's, that's perfect. And that's the way to hold your coaches accountable. Um, I, I, let's go move into applying your game plan throughout the week through your schedule. And, yeah. um, I would ask you individually each day, but I, I think we could spend about 30 minutes on each day. <laughs> sure. We talk, sure. So you could go ahead and start at Monday and then we'll kind of go from there and bounce as we need to bounce. Okay. So I think the big thing is you want all of your team periods to be situational. Okay. Um, Monday you want to run your base run and pass game. Two, and then defensively, you want to, you know, you want to get lined up to base formations and and stop their top five plays, just in a general sense. Tuesday is first down day. Um, Wednesday, Wednesday is third down and red zone. And that's kind of how we break our team periods up. Um, and and we'll do we'll do varying third downs, third long, third medium, third short. Um, I've also done situations where we do mini drives, first down, second down, third down. So, and the coaches randomly spot it. And then I'm calling, I'm scripting the first down play, and then I'm calling second and third down with a call sheet. I think that's a really good tool for coordinators to get in the flow of what they want to call in those situations. Um, and then uh, as a conditioner on Wednesday, we do two minute drill, good on good, um, tag, tag tempo. We're not tackling our guys. Um, and then Thursday we do special situations. So that could be backed up. That could be um, goal line. You know, again, we're not doing that live. Um, I don't think you need to, but I think you need to work those key situations. First down is a big one. And then third down and red zone. Yeah. Um, those are the situations. And I, I just think if you're, if you're doing team periods and in your team periods, you're just running plays. I don't think you're doing it right. Um, personally, I, I think you got to be situational in your uh, preparation. And one thing we do Wednesday after practice as an offensive staff, we, we sit down and we script our 12 openers. And then that's what we run on um, Thursday. So when we do our mini game on Thursday, you know, kickoff, defense stop, offense plays, you know, that whole run through a mini game, we will run through our openers. So, and then, then whichever direction we run the openers on Thursday, we walk through those same openers, the opposite direction on Friday. All right. That's, that's perfect. So that's kind of, that's kind of our week breakdown in a quick little, uh, in a quick little explanation. Now I, I got, like, let's build off a couple questions out there. Now um, you, you mentioned there, obviously focusing on special situations and scripting. How detailed of your, do you get in your scripting? How long is your script during practices throughout the week? Mm -hmm. Well, um, so every team period is scripted. So when I build our third and long plays that we run a run, we're going to run everyone from both directions, from right and left. So, you know, first down, we're probably not going to run all of our first down calls, but we're going to get, we're going to make sure that every single play on the script is practiced. Every single play on the call sheet is practiced during the week. Yeah. Because if it's on the call sheet and you don't practice it, then you don't run it. And if it looks bad in practice, you delete it from the call sheet. I don't think you ever add to the call sheet. You always take away. So um, that's how detailed our script is. Okay. Now, when you said team period. And, and, go ahead, Coach. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead with your question. Um, I'm sorry. Now, when you say team periods, does that include seven on seven and inside or outside run, whatever you need to call it, or – so yeah, we'll we'll include seven on seven in that. We'll include team run. We do a team run period, and then um, our full team periods where we do run and pass. Um, and so we will make sure that we hit every play in those, and every one of those is situational. So like Monday seven on seven again is base pass. Um, Tuesday seven on seven, and we do this good on good 
um, we, we do good on good in seven on seven. So we service each other, um, on, on, uh, Tuesday is first down passes on Wednesday is third long or third down passes. So we'll go, we'll go third and long, third, medium, third, medium, third and short, third and long. We'll rotate it that way. Okay. Now with that, like, and I have one main question for this week as I, as I'm lo- looking through this, it, it, I see mm-hmm. mainly, and I want to get a little more depth on this. I see circuits, both special teams, offense and defense. Um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. What? Let's start with special teams before we get to offense and defense. What does your special teams circuit look like for those who that are special teams coaches looking to kind of enhance their stuff throughout the week? So we don't do a dynamic warm up to start practice. We do a circuit to start practice. So we we do a walkthrough, which gets us going, and then we do a circuit. So in our special teams circuit, we're going to do two on one leverage drill. We are going to do a blocking in space drill. We are going to do a um, one-on-one leverage drill where there's three cones 10 yards apart. Each guy starts in in the middle and their backs are to each other and they choose a cone to run around. And then they're keeping the ball inside of in front and keep them on the near shoulder. And then the fourth station is a a, uh, special teams specific technique um station so say we're doing punt that day then we're working on block to cover let's say we're doing kickoff that day we're probably doing um two gap strike snag two gap on the on the returner drill let's say we're doing kick return you're gonna work uh you're gonna work probably you know a um a drop to block in space type thing, whatever, whatever special team you're doing that day, you're going to do a little mini individual drill on that station. So the two on one, uh, leverage, some sort of blocking in space, uh, some sort of one-on-one leverage and then special team specific, uh, technique. And they're probably two and a half minutes per station. Everybody's getting tons and tons of reps. You want as short lines as possible. Coaches in charge blowing the whistle, rotating every every assistant coach is coaching, and that and while that's going on, the specialists are getting specialty work. So that's our special team circuit, and then offense, we do the same three different circuits. We do three different circuits each week. Um, Monday is a catch circuit, Tuesday is a block circuit, and Wednesday is a ball security circuit. And it's the same type of same type of concept, same drills, like. We do the same ball security drills every single week. Every coach coaches the same drill. You don't change your drills. And then you go through them fast and you get out of there. Now, I have, I have to ask there, I mean, obviously blocking, everybody should do blocking. What do you, mm-hmm. in terms of the catching circuit, how what do you have the linemen doing during the catching circuit? Do you, do you have them working catching, which is, which would be fine? Like, I mean, hey, someone might play defense, you're fine. But, like, I have, I have sure. to ask, like – from yeah. a catching in a ball security, I think everybody should do it because you can recover a fumble, blah, blah. But from, how, how is that disputed in terms of player and personnel during that? So when we do our catch circuit on Mondays, the offensive line is getting extra individual. And then when we do ball security circuit, um, we do have our offensive linemen work fumble recovery by themselves and a little bit of ball security in the summer but they get basically get another indie period. So it's only offensive skill guys. Okay. Now on a deep in a defensive, in a defensive circuit every day, they do, they do a, uh, they do two tackle stations. They do a block destruct station and they do a turnover station. So every Monday it's the same four. Tuesday. It's the same four. Wednesday. It's the same four. And then, then the last thing I got I to ask about your quarterbacks there. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously ball security and catching, they can both be involved in. What do you have? I mean, some every head coach's philosophy on quarterback getting involved in blocking yeah. drills is a little different. So I have to ask, what do you have your quarterbacks doing during uh, the blocking circuit? They get an additional indie period, okay. and um, we'll typically that'll be a long toss day, so they can build to a long toss, or I'll have them um, do like pocket movement drills. Okay, perfect. Um. And then let, let's get into some game plan theory as, as we start heading to the home stretch of this. Um, I, I obviously see um, 
your non-negotiables, you you have, you have quite a few there, but um, obviously you've okay. mentioned the first one already. Break down film first, um, and speak the same it, language to a it, point. It, yeah, like I mean, if you're not breaking down film and you're just watching it, you might as well just be a fan. Yeah, you know, enter the enter the data, do it right, be a professional, um, and then like the defense calls the formations the same thing we. we you know, we, we call we call ten personnel two by two. We call it deuce. So defense calls it deuce. They don't call it double twins. They don't no. They don't make <laughs> up their own language. Everybody speaks the same language. What the defense calls their fronts, that's what we call them. What the defense calls their blitzes, that's what we call them. What the what we call our routes, that's what the defense calls them. So it's creating that common language. I think that's really important. Um, you know. You got to watch cutups. You know, you got to see how they've aligned to to um, three by one every single three by one clip you have, okay? Because they're probably going to have more than one way. If they only have one way, then they're in trouble unless they're just physically better. Um, you know, I think you. I talked about this already. Build the scouting report last. Um, the base plan needs to be done on Saturday. So then on Sunday, you're just working on the wrinkles and the specialty components. And then during the week, that's when you work on your down and distance call sheet. Um, I already talked about this situational uh, plan situation as you go. Never, ever, ever add. Always take away. Um, if it looks bad during the week, it's going to look even worse on Friday. I, I, it's not I, worth it. I couldn't agree with you more. I've been on staffs where – in. I won't say this nicely. I've been on staff where I've had a head coach add plays on Thursday. Um, yeah. And it's and you know and it it didn't work and it didn't work it didn't look good there and of course it didn't but that's a whole other conversation. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Is do not add especially through the week you should be taken away. Yeah, I mean and 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 the other thing is this. I think brand new concepts are too expensive because. Um, you're only going to run them maybe one to at the very most, let's say it's a run concept six times in a game. Well, you got to practice it like 10 times more than you're going to run it. Why not just run ISO more or midline more or <laughs> buck sweep more, you know, and, and, and do it out of a shift or a motion out of a different formation. That's where the game plan comes in. It's not new plays. It's new ways to run your plays to, to get the best look you want. Coach, um, I, f- I feel like you're pigeonholing me by only only mentioning older concepts like midline, ISO, and buck sweep. I feel like I have. Hey, I'm t- trying to. I, I, you know what? Then how about this? You, you know, you you, you got to run wide cross different ways as well. You know, you can do it out of empty. You can push motion in the back. You can you can do it out of two by two. You can play action. And I, I mean, I, we can talk here if you want. I was just trying to give, you know, a little throwback <laughs> offense. I missed some of those offenses. Oh, I, um, I one that. of the one of the other things I firmly believe in is like having a gadget package. So what I mean by that is like, all right, a reverse, of you know, a fake reverse pass, a reverse, you know, a reverse pass, reverse throwback, reverse flea flicker. So you're building in another layer to the play, but it's not a new concept. Like you want to give the same look and then add another wrinkle off of it. So like, let's just say you're in three by one. I saw BYU do this and I thought it was really, really good. Um, They ran, they ran reverse throwback to the quarterback. They ran, you know, outside zone, fake reverse pass. They ran outside zone, reverse flea flicker back to the sniffer tight end. And it was all out of the same formation and it just had another layer of gadgetry to it. Yeah. So it's not it's not you're scheming up a new gadget. It's you're building on to what you've already done. Um, and, and I think that that's good. Or you run the same gadget out of a different personnel formation, motion, whatever. Um, you know, I think, I think at a minimum you should have four specific shots called during a game. The ones that we we typically like are this. You know, we like play action post. We like some sort of wheel. We like some sort of, ice, you know, isolating your best receiver and giving him a 50-50 ball. Um, and then maybe some sort of double move or a gadget. Those are, those are kind of the shots we're going to scheme up. 
and we really try to call them. And I also heard a coach say this, you want to call your trick or gadget before the other team calls theirs. Be the first one to call it. Yeah, I don't disagree. That's, no, that's, that's great, Coach. I just I, the, the smart alchemy is going to make a comment here and say, I didn't know RPO teams still ran play action. But um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love some I, I love some naked, you know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And I, I guess the last one here that I think is that, that we started doing at Turpin, and I really, really like this, is, you know, we script 12 openers for the first half. And typically, what are your most successful plays? Those plays, because you put the most thought into them. You practice them the most. Like, you believe in them. You know exactly the look you're going to get. So why not do the same thing in the second half? So we script six second half openers. And we tell our guys at halftime, as I'm talking about them, we got coaches drawing them up. Each coach draws two different plays so that all three of them are drawn on a whiteboard and they see the, the plays that they need. Um, and then we're going to run and, and we talk about them and, um, you know, we have success with those. And I think that's really, I think that's a really good thing. Scripting second half openers. Um, you know, and the biggest thing for off and I put musts, I put must down here in my notes you got to run to good looks. You got to have a sound protection plan. Um, you know, who do you need to get the ball to? How many different ways? How many times? I think that's crucial. You know, and that goes back to a Mount Union adage, players formations plays. And I could not agree more with that. Yeah. Um, you got to, you got to scheme up those premium shots I mentioned. And then um, how do you take care of an elite player? I think that's also a part of the game plan. You know, is it a down lineman? Well, maybe you got to double team him if you're running at it. Um, you got to influence block him. You got to arc him. Um, or maybe it's a defensive end and you just read him and that negates him. Um, if it's a second level level player, you know, say it's a three, four overhang. Well, is the guy lining up to the strength, the field, or the format? You know, is he, is he a field player? Is he a formation player? Well, if he's a formation player, put the formation in the boundary and then run away. That'll, that'll negate him. Um, and then if it's a DB, I think the number one thing you do to a, a really good DB is make him tackle the run, yeah. you know, see how tough he wants to be. Um, and then you might have to redefine what is open to your QB, you know, like, listen, when you're throwing, when you're throwing here, if this guy, you know, if you're throwing at this corner and unless he bites on a fake or, or, or we just beat him, like, you get off that read. Don't, you know, if we're running fade flat, like don't let the corner bait you into throwing the fade. He's going to jump it, you know, or yeah. don't let the safety bait you into throwing the smash because he's, you know, he's over the top. Like he's going to drive on it. That's yeah. not open versus this guy. Uh, that's what I mean by redefine what's open for the QB. And then, um, you know, I think lastly, you just find a way to get your best receiver away from that guy, whether it's motioning him, whether it's lining him up in a different position, and it doesn't have to be real complicated. You can just say, listen, when we call this shot, you line up here. Just switch. The kids are going to remember because they know that they want the ball. So like, you don't have to overcomplicate it by thinking up this new way to call a formation to get guys where you want them. Just tell them on this play, you line up here because we're going to try to get you the ball. And if he forgets, well, then he just lost his chance for the year to try to catch <laughs> touchdowns. Um you know, and on defense, I'll be I'll, I'll be quick, but on defense, you know, I think number one, get lined up, be gap sound, stop their top player, don't let their top player do his best thing. Um, and then fundamentals are always more important than trying to trick an offense. You know, you, again, on defense, you try to work and scheme up this, this, you know, fire zone blitz where you're crossing guys and all this nonsense. Just get lined up and play and bring a simple edge pressure. Um you know, that those are kind of the things that I think are in terms of game plan theories that, that we believe and and that that have been been successful for us. That's perfect, coach. Now, I my, my last question before we do our last two things here is, um, OK, how, how much actually I'll rephrase this. Why 12 plays? Why not 10? Why not five? Like everybody's got different numbers. So why? Why do you choose 12? Well, you know, you think, all right, so sets of three, because you want to think first down, second down, third down, first down, second down, third down, first down, second down, third down, first down, second down, third down. So that's, that's four sets of three 
and that will typically either be one or two drives. So you'll have your first drive scripted if it's a long one where you're kind of pounding it out, or you'll have your first two drives scripted, and that'll typically take you into the second quarter of a game. And then by that, it, it kind of gives you, it, it allows you to kind of feel the game and are they doing what you thought they would do? You know, you probably got to throw an empty in there. You probably got to throw a tight end wing in there. You got to throw, you know, uh, you know, a three by one. So you want to make sure you're getting the looks that you want so you can get it on for us on our replay so that, so that we can confirm, yeah, they're doing what we thought they would do. Now, have you ever just re-ran, say your first script was just successful and you just, have you ever just run right back re- through it? I haven't, but that's a pretty good idea. I'm just, <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes as offensive coordinators, we get too tricky and, you know, you don't, you don't need to call new plays, just kicking their, just keep kicking their ass with the same plays. Um, I have not, but I have pulled from that first script okay. to the second half script. Um, you know, now I have lined up in the same formations, you know, like this year we got pretty advantageous looks to tight end backside and then trips opposite. And, you know, if they, if a team lined up a certain way, we we're going to run pin and pull. If they lined up another way, we we're going to run wide zone. If they gave us numbers to the three receiver side, we were going to spit a screen out there. And, um, you know, so we definitely come back to formations, but coming back to those same looks, probably should do that more often, coach. I'm just, I just, just a thought. I, I Once about every six weeks, I have a good idea. So there, there you go. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I'm a, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, take that one and run with it. Um, and then, and then my, my last question is because everybody, and you've kind of mentioned your philosophy on, um, game planning, how, but how mm-hmm. much is out of that opening 12? Are you looking for something just in case maybe you haven't seen their, how they're going to react to it? Cause you said you, you can kind of formulate how they're going to react to it or you have a good idea, but is there anything you're trying to see in those first 12 that maybe you weren't sure of or yeah. you wanted to see? Well, I think empty, I think empty is a big one, <laughs> you know, we faced the team when I was at Turpin, who was a really solid team, uh, Troy. And um, every time we went empty, they went too high. And we threw empty smash with our best receiver being the number three to the field, running a middle of the field bender route. And we told our quarterback, if they're too high, we want you to take the bender. And um, it was a long night for Troy. <laughs> we, um, I mean – I think we put up, you know, I think we put up 62 and this was a Troy team that won nine games and I was not expecting them to line up like they did. So I came back to that. I think we scored three touchdowns on it or maybe three long plays or something. I mean, it really, really hurt them. And, you know, our quarterback was super comfortable throwing that. Um, I think Gimty's one of those, Uh, you know, I think that, I think lining up in a condensed formation is another one that you can put out in your openers and see how they align. Um, I think a uh, kind of a, I call it an exotic empty. So like a sniffer four by one or four by none, you know, like putting four receivers out there and, you know, maybe condensed, maybe not two of them covered and then a sniffer off the ball, you know, how's the team going to align to that? That's something you may not see. Well, all right, are they going to honor the numbers? Great. Run your queue because it's a light box. You know, so it's kind of more of a, it's a, I would say, I wouldn't call it an RPO. I'd say it's a package concept. Do they have screen numbers? If you have screen numbers, take it. You don't have screen numbers, run the concept. Or you can even get in a, you know, an empty formation where it's quick game, screen, draw and it's it's all pre-snap decided based on numbers leverage matchup and and i think those are plays you want to give early to to kind of how are they going to line and then kind of go from there i mean we lined up you, you know again when i was at turpin we played uh lakota east first week one and we lined up in a diamond formation so basically a, a quad bunch with a single and we did just that and we ran it about eight times and we threw the now screen probably two or three. We ran quarterback draw a couple times, and we threw a bunch of backside quick game. And 
they really struggled. Now it was week one. We had never shown it. And, um, it, you know, and we had a pretty, we had a pretty tough, we had pretty tough, uh, personnel too. So that, that always helps. But, um, yeah, those are the things I think in general empty is the one you want to line up to, to see what they do. And if you're unsure, maybe you want to freeze it at the line and see what they're doing. So then if they are bringing it heavy pressure, you can either sprint out away from it or maybe throw a tunnel screen. Um, Anderson down in Cincinnati, they make a living off of empty. If you don't pressure, they're throwing Y cross or now screen if you have, if they have numbers. And if you pressure them, they're throwing tunnel screen into the boundary and they are killing you with it. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think anybody runs tunnel screen better than what they do. Uh, coaches, um, coaches' contact information in terms of his uh, Twitter will be below. Uh, make sure you give Coach a follow. Send a message if you if you want to reach out to him, get, learn more about either that that call sheet uh, template or any of the other stuff Coach mentioned throughout here. Um, also, uh, make sure you check out our sponsors and affiliates below. Remember, anything you purchase through them uh, helps the channel. The Patreon helps the channel. Uh, check out there, like and share the video so other coaches can find it. Uh, thank you. And that is in our episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast.